welcome to Get With The Programme. It's Jackie here alongside the TV Foundation team and Abby. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, you are kind of TV Foundation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I, the alumni. Alumni. I feel like it's like a feet, Abby. Like feet. Featuring, yeah. Foot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Beach Abbey. So, of course, Sarah, Talents Beach Director, Cameron, MD of the TV Festival and TV Foundation. It's also official, I'm sorry. It is, I know, when we get job titles into it, it does, but you're right, you know, but, but we're also people. This is true. Yeah. And, um, yes, episode two. So, Campbell will be talking with Nick Coop. I nearly said Coupe, but I was corrected. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I'd like to think maybe he could have an alter ego, and I'm sure if he was listening, he would agree. Like, kind of like Coupe might be his kind of French spy, or his French name, but like when he's undercover um, and he's drinking a lot of champagne yeah. out of a Coupe glass, like well, maybe in a, in a cup, you know, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that from him. Um, yeah. He it does was, have one of those voices. Time. He has a spy voice, I think. You know what? You're right. He's yeah. He's kind of like quiet and calm at all times. Ooh. Yeah, it'd be good if things get really rough with this situation we find ourselves in. <laughs> I would find his voice very soothing mm. if he was announcing, you know, things are getting worse. I'd want to hear it from Nick. Yeah, he does have a Radio 4 voice. Maybe he should look he into does. that. He does, yeah. Oh, that's quite gonna... nice. Yeah, and we're going to get to hear that voice fairly soon. <laughs> and again, this is why... Why is that funny? Is that just a, is that just a really shit segue? It was, no, it's it was, just like a yeah. smooth transition. It was yeah. really smooth. That's Thanks, right. Jackson. Hey, well, <laughs> from you, I'd like, you know, I'm taking it from a very. So we, um, this is kind of from the archives, it's not from that long ago, but Nick and I got together last autumn uh, to have this chat and it was um, a lot of fun. Um, I think we're both couple of fairly apologetic uh, white men. Um, so that was, there was definitely a moment, a moment in this where we sort of, we debated the relative merits of Seinfeld and it felt very like, oh my God, this is, this is a core podcast material um, in terms of like classic, uh, what I'm talking about Seinfeld. But the rest of it is, is very good and, and groundbreaking. And Abby worked with me, is that right? Yeah, I did. We actually worked quite close together at points. Um because uh, we worked on some Edinburgh podcast material together. Uh, yes. He was my right-hand man when we were doing that. Not Edinburgh TV Festival, Edinburgh Comedy Festival. Podcast. Yes. Um, and, yeah, we sat near each other a lot when I was at the BBC. We chose to hot desk near each other, which shows yeah. that we liked each other's company. I liked it. Good Nick. stuff. You're both good people. I think if more people in TV were like you and Nick, that would be nice, I think. That would be good for the industry. Yeah, but I don't want more people like me because I like being special. <laughs> okay, no, true, true. Yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, you want to be like the one, the one Abby. And also, uh, Nick is a, a comedy producer, but also a podcast specialist. So if you're looking for a podcast recommendation, Nick uh, produced uh, Jacob Hawley on drugs. Oh, which is on um, BBC Sounds, so check that out. That's uh, some of Nick's uh, handy work. Sarah, what's what what's the news? Schemes wise, what is the news? Well, uh, we're still open for applications. You know, 
network of one sort. Um, so if you are wanting to get into TV or you work in TV already, supercharge your career. Uh, those are the themes for you. Um, so if you go on a website, go on our socials, we've got lots of stuff going on, lots of content we're putting out as well as this um, to help you uh, write a good application. Um, and we really want to hear from you. So uh, yeah, come our way, please. <laughs> that sounds good. And yeah, and Nick himself did once to watch. So if you want to be a one person who is being watched, uh, yeah, get, get stuck in. Hello, Nick. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I feel like we're getting back on the Get With The Program horse. Yeah. So I'm very excited to talk to you as a comedy producer about things you've made, things you like. Yeah. Um, and maybe sort of lifting a little bit of a veil, the mystery of how people can, you know, one day say, I, I too am a comedy producer. Okay. Although it could all be holograms. Yeah. <laughs> some people are listening to this, who knows. But, um, but sort of growing up, like what sort of role did sort of television have in your house? What your sort of earliest sort of TV memories? Um, I saw because I actually came to working in TV relatively late. I mean, I say that I'm 30 now, and whenever I say that, people are sort of, I think, a bit frustrated by the fact that I feel like I've had a long, illustrious career. Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of people I meet are like 30, they know you're born, <laughs> but yeah, but um. I remember my dad, like, before he met my mum, used to work as a sort of studio audience manager. So okay. he used to, like, get people in to Top of the Pops. This is, like, in the 70s. Um, and he did 40 Towers. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Big claim to fame. And then he met my mum and had to get a proper job. And who knows, maybe if he'd stayed and become a channel controller, I'd have, I'd have had a slightly easier career. But... Um, so that was always, I don't know, we always used to watch TV as a family together. I remember watching shows like 40 Towers or Dad's Army yeah. as a family, mainly comedy and sort of, um, I always used to love those shows that my dad, my mum, my brother and me would all enjoy. And I, that sounds sort of so uh, vague, but that sort of universality to something, which I think is sort of more and more rare now something yeah. that literally the whole family can like I don't know where families in jokes are getting creative right now because that I feel like it's often a weird throwaway line not necessarily the famous lines from things like Sabbath but it might just be like a, a thing which if you all watch it together you know it becomes shorthand exactly yeah yeah yeah. so were you so your dad wasn't doing the studio audience stuff when you were around Have you, so no it's more you've heard the stories but in a way did that make TV feel a little less distant to you to have someone to kind of break down this sense of there's an audience people come in I think I remember um, we'd sort of go we went once to watch a recording of um, I don't know what radio show it was but I remember going to um, the radio theatre and knowing you know that you sort of you're not guaranteed a ticket you have to get there early and all of this yeah sort of excitement about it and our great going to go and, I'm, and I don't remember anything about the show itself no idea what it was but I remember that being a little sort of yeah peek behind the curtain yeah. not because anyone knew anyone but just because he knew that that existed that you could yeah. go 
And I guess that's probably quite a valuable thing to sort of know that these, that you can go and be in the audience of a TV show or a radio comedy or whatever. And, uh, yeah. Um, but it never felt, it never really felt like something I could do, I think, weirdly, even though then I, when I went to uni and did lots of sort of theatre and that sort of thing and was putting shows on, it never felt like a sort of open career path. I guess I didn't know anyone so you were so doing it for its own sake and like, oh, I enjoy doing this, but I don't think that once I leave here, I'm going to be able to really yeah, 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 yeah. get a proper job and yeah, yeah that sort yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, and I think that was sort of probably why I then went and got an almost proper job rather than, you know, going, no, I'm going to go and do whatever it is. I don't know how you get into TV these days. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the thing whenever you talk to people and it's why it's kind of interesting doing this for me you sort of find out there is no there is no one journey mm. but there are certain common threads or things that people kind of piece together and a couple of sort of do's and don'ts you sort of mentioned getting a proper job what, what, what was that proper well, job exactly yeah it's not that proper i worked as a an agent's assistant okay in an actor's agency so when um i went to union i did english and theatre and then every time I came back from the holidays, I'd try and get some sort of work experience. Like and how, how, would, how, would you, how would you convince people? How would you do that? It was just sort of, a lot of the time it would be, I remember I went to, my mum was a teacher and she taught uh, a guy whose dad was a musical director on Phantom of the Opera. Okay. So I remember that like yeah. weird sort of, link of of I think at a parents evening or something that mum had mentioned this and yeah. then all of a sudden I, I went and spent a month or so sort of shadowing because they were rehearsing new cast and that that sort of thing where then I think the agent I ended up writing to a lot of um uh agents I can't remember how I met Moina but um yeah ended up going and doing some work experience there literally about a week of of filing stuff yeah. and seeing how the agency worked and she'd never let me live down the fact that I turned up on my first day in a suit. I, I did that my first interview for a runner job I turned up in a suit and that was the focus of the entire interview. I was <laughs> I was I would say light, lightly bullied yeah. um for it. And it is it is hard. It sometimes comes up a lot like what's the right thing to wear. Yeah. And in TV almost always it's never a suit. Certainly never a tie. No. I think. Yeah. Unless it's a funeral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, I remember... Uh, yeah, so I did some work experience there, and then every holiday after that, I'd come back and I'd um, have loads of filing and that sort of stuff. She was sort of a one-man band at the time. Yeah. Was trying was setting up bigger. So then when I left uni, she said, well, do you want to come... I think it was part-time at first, maybe, and uh, just sort of be a proper assistant there. And did you make that impact, essentially, in that? first week of work experience in a way that made her think oh yeah like get that back." I guess so yeah yeah that sort of yeah actually because again I say proper job but it's it's for that's a bit of a dream isn't it like going working in an actor's yeah, agency to a and, place and yeah office and then having yeah. a role and, yeah um being sort of taken seriously like that that was that was great so yeah I ended up there for about four years Ended up sort of taking on some of my own clients as well. So um, that was brilliant. But then I realised, I think, 
I think I've had this realization a couple of times when you sort of think this isn't what I want to do forever. So what and am I doing it now? In that world as well, it's, it's more a clear track, isn't it? Yeah. Like as opposed to like this TV where it's choose your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah. That you know, agent system, and then there is you know, yeah, that ends up being an agent. Isn't it? Yeah. You and know. then I guess you can either take that agency you're working for to be one of the big ones, or go and join, you know, United yeah. or Chris Brown or whatever. And it's it wasn't um, that wasn't how I could see my life sort of playing yeah. out. Um, so yeah, so I decided, and that was again the sort of uh, brave in hindsight, but I don't really know. If I, if I was thinking clearly at the time, I just sort of said, I don't want to do this and I've got all this commitment to these people that I'm representing yeah. and to the agency as a whole. So I sort of said, you know, gave him my notice without anything really to go to or any idea of how. Oh, wow. So it was just like, oh, I, I just I know this isn't right. That and, is brave. And I think that's probably my fault for sort of uh, that responsibility of thinking, like, I don't want to phone the 10 actors that I'm representing up tomorrow. And be yeah. Like, out you go, you're on your own. Like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I wore a suit on my last day as well. <laughs> nice bookend. Yeah. <laughs> Fundamentally, Nick is a smart guy. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I headed out into to make my fortune in TV. Yeah. And what was what was the first sort of TV job? Um, well, this was... I knew... Because I sort of vaguely knew a few people. The agency at the time was more sort of theatre focused. Okay. So I knew a couple of telecasting directors, but not really. And again, I didn't want to go into the casting side of it. So I didn't really have a network at all. I knew one person from school who worked for um, NBC Universal. Okay. So I met her for a coffee and she sort of said, oh, well, you know, because NBC has lots of different companies uh doing different things and she said oh well i'll you know I'll email around people i know and see if anyone's looking for any work experience and one of them was um this company called lucky giant which is a they don't they're not around anymore um they were their sort of nbc's uk scripted comedy wing yeah that does sound like someone used like the tv company name generator on that one yeah yeah <laughs> so like, that sounds like, that sounds like a thing it's lucky giant that sounds like a thing in the description yeah, yeah. Um, so we uh, I went there for a couple of weeks and that's actually weirdly because that was there were four people there and they're all still like quite influential in comedy but in different places so it was a really good place to go and spend yeah. two weeks in this sort of weird made up company but knowing that those people I'd still sort of I still see socially and, and, and meet at showcases and that sort of thing. It's, it was a bonding experience. Yeah. Do you remember when we went that place and what was, was that about? Yeah, it's like open plan office where I think we were next to theme parks. So, <laughs> oh my God, it's very, it's pretty, very succession. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're never here at parks now. That's all I've been called. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, from that, um, I did two weeks work experience and then, Carnival Films, who big drama company, yeah. also owned by NBC, they had a runner scheme at the time, which they'd sort of—I don't know if they still do—but they um, would have three runners at any one time. It was a year's contract, and um, they were interviewing for it. And because it was a sister company, uh, Ben at Lucky Giant could say, "Oh, this this guy's done some good work experience yeah. for us." So, yeah, I went in and I was um, 
a runner there for a year and sort of considerably older than all the other runners. And I think that allowed me to sort of, the fact that I'd already had a bit of life there, but yeah. and you know how a new offices were and look like yeah. and how to, yeah, not to wear a suit. Um, so yeah, that I, I could progress a bit quicker, I think, then. Yeah. And like, sort of for people who are sort of thinking about being a, a runner, like what's, What's good about being a runner? Because it seems like a bit like, oh God, like sort of starting off. But there, there are some advantages, aren't there, in terms of what you can learn? Yeah, I mean, what I loved, I then, after, when I left Carnival, I went, um, as a, a floor runner and a production runner for a bit. And I loved that time because it's the best opportunity to just sort of see how everything works and to spend time on a set, like, realising what everyone's doing. And obviously you don't have a real insight into the, you know, the, comings and goings of, of what certain departments are doing but I think it's a really useful time to just go like oh, okay well this is what production are doing and that's sort of the hierarchy so you work your way up to there and that's the end goal like being a line producer is that what I want yeah. maybe not the other way you know if you're a floor runner you work your way up and then being a first AD is that is that what you want and yeah. I think that's a really useful position to be in where you can talk to everyone see yeah. how everyone's got where they are look at the maze from the outside a little bit exactly yeah. yeah and that's what I find sort of so that's what I did find so daunting about TV I think is it's this enormous when you walk past and see a film crew or a TV crew filming something you just can't begin to understand what all those people are doing yeah so to actually go out and spend a day on, on a set um, I think as well because now like working as a producer and trying to pursue that career I think not, none of it's wasted time because you know having spent a year in an office is a really good understanding of that side of it and then having spent however long as a run you sort of you know your way around the set yeah and I think there are some producers that I've, I've worked with or, or know that haven't done that route and might yeah. be a lot better if they've spent all their time in an office in development or something, they'll be better at that side of it. But then when you get out on a set, they don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of impatience, isn't there, in TV, yeah. particularly early on when people, there's a self-imposed sense of like, well, I need to do this by this amount of years in the industry. And yeah. actually, yeah. you can talk, get caught out if you go up too quickly. I yeah. Some people find. I think so, definitely. Yeah. So what was the, what was the first programme you worked on then? Um, so when I left Carnival, I did, I was floor runner and sort of dailies for a couple of things. I did Cool Midwife and um, Lucky Man, which was... Yeah, Carnival. with uh, James Lesbitt. Yeah. Is that Stan Lee thing? Yeah. 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 Sky. Yes. It was, yeah. Yes. It was yeah. Um, an idea by Stan Lee that then, um, yeah, was this big sort of drama and that was great. Yeah. And floor runner and that with, you know seeing that that world um so bits and bobs like that but then i went what the was it the production manager no the production manager in-house at carnival her husband was is a production manager in film and he was setting up bridget jones ah. so she put a word in for me and for the for the three four what's coming baby bridget jones's baby yes yeah. yeah so then i went and did in the end over a year as production manager on that Wow, which is great. How TV and film obviously are different. I think some people who might be listening to this, who sort of on the outside, might not know what what the differences are. What were what were the sort of key differences you found? Um, 
Well, I've sort of done it almost the wrong way around a bit, starting because I did Bridget Jones, Jason Bourne, and uh, <laughs> Spectre, the James Bond film. Wow, I did that in locations for a bit. Um, so I started in big films and then went into TV comedy. Yeah. And then went into radio comedy. So I've sort of gone from, you know, film with 200 people yeah. running around to TV with 20 people running around to radio comedy with two. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the main is that, thing. That, is, that, is that more neck, do you think? I think at this point, yeah, because it's yeah. a lot more... I, I like... I really like the camaraderie of, of being on a set and doing a long shoot with people yeah. and, like, everyone equally tired and, and bored of, you know, waking up at five in the morning to drive yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I like... I like with radio and with sort of... I've done a lot of online sketches and that sort of thing, how everyone's just mucking in and there's no... No one sort of guarding their territory of being like that. That isn't my job. I don't do yeah. that. Everyone's doing everything. You know, the directors buying sandwiches for lunch because you know everyone's running around just mucking in. I like that. Yeah. Are there any uh, things you remember from working on those three films that would make brilliant fodder for the, the trivia page of IMDb that people might not know about the production of those films? Oh God, I don't know anything that. Uh, wouldn't get me in trouble repeating <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> I remember I think it was a bit of an eye opener seeing sort of how many particularly sort of writers and, and versions of the script even when you're almost in production of something how nothing's ever it's a real like rainbow situation with pages with the, yeah, yeah and you'd sort of get a, suddenly there'd be a new writer coming in to do a pass on. I mean the um, the new Bond film uh, with yes. Phoebe Waller Bridges yeah. working on and I think that sort of thing being like announced I think it's always happened it's just yeah. never quite been you know Phoebe and it being a big it's interesting because I suppose typically like the writing bit of a film people always say not necessarily always true but you know, films are directed medium and TV's a bit more of a writer's medium and yeah. so writers don't tend to get announced when it comes to films because they do so often get overwritten even quite yeah, you know, famous one known ones. It's quite, it's quite something to kind of announce that because they're sort of locking themselves into being, and she will have written the bulk of this, and yeah. this is going to have her fingerprints on it, which is and a rare commitment, isn't it? Fans of Fleabag will go and yeah to the cinema to see a Bond film <laughs> in those four quadrants. <laughs> like, but um, yeah, I think that was a bit of an eye opener, sort of seeing these writers that like quite big writers coming yeah. in, and you're being like, oh god, I didn't know that. Oh, they haven't yeah. written it. We're not. Yeah. that like um, uh, and also just sort of the turnover of of staff sometimes like creative roles where you yeah. suddenly be like oh like, now we've got a new art director yeah less so like Bridget was a, a really lovely experience with them doing some of the sort of American films where like you know the a producer like the main producer you just have never seen because it's not yeah on set every day. Was there a sense on that one of like getting the gang back together a bit? Because obviously it's been a while since the second one. But yeah. Was there a sense of let's try and preserve that kind of? I think definitely team? it was. Yeah, it was um, a lot of the cast coming back and a lot of yeah people that had done the first one. Um, and I think because this, it had been sort of, it almost happened at least once before. Yes. Like yeah. The version it felt like it was announced and around 
for a while. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So it was sort of. Um, I think people were were really glad that it was finally happening. Yeah, they're finally making it, and um, yeah, it was a nice. That was a really good sort of first thing for me to do because it was a really lovely experience, even though it was knackering and you know you're not allowed a social life at all. But it was a really like happy, happy team, I think, and yeah. sort of friends with lots of people that that were on it, which is it's great. So those three films, what is that kind of that sort of take kind of a two year period? Um, yeah, about that. Yeah, because some of them were yeah. Yeah, probably about two years, and then from there, um, which is something I'd always sort of wanted to do. Again, it was uh, working on on Born was the point where someone had said like, "Oh, well, I'm off now." The production manager said that she was off to do uh, the new Transformers, I think, and she said, "Oh, you know, do you want to come and join the team?" Yeah, and I sort of thought, "No, like, I don't." <laughs> again, it's I don't. See my future. But you didn't want to like get on some mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I just didn't see my future being in Leavesden or yeah. Pinewood and um, on those sort of big, big things. I think it just takes so much longer to progress. Um, yeah. So yeah, I thought, nope, I'm going to try and get into the lovely, well-funded world of, of comedy. Yeah. And and so what what was what was the first thing? Um, what was the first thing I did? I did. Uh, I went in as production secretary on um, Morgana Robinson's series for oh, yeah. to the agency. Yes. So that was great. Really lovely company that I've gone back to a few times as well. Happy Tramp. Um, Again, lucky giant, happy tramp, lucky giant, happy yeah. giant, lucky tramp. <laughs> so, um, and that was yeah, great, um, lovely, yeah, really nice experience. A lot, I felt like the right sort of move to leave those sort of big, ridiculous yeah. sound stages in in Pinewood and actually be a lot closer to it. Yeah, and when you make that kind of transition, obviously. It's an industry where there's a lot of pigeonholing. People like to kind of go like, oh, you're the this person. Mm. So obviously comedy arguably is kind of a competitive bit within a largely competitive industry. What reservations, if any, did they have about you? How were you able to kind of make the case? Like, I know I've just come from something where people are kicking the shit out of each other. But now, you know, this is quite different. I mean, what, yeah. what did they see in you? What kind of case did you make for yourself? Did you have to make a case for yourself? I don't know. I think um, I sort of benefited from it's always like particularly trying to find production staff. I think in um, in comedy because it's like you know paid less than your big sort of high end dramas and all of that. Yeah. I think um, I sort of benefited from them being like, "Oh God, we need to put a team together." Yeah, who's available? Yeah. And uh, the guy. The coordinator on Bourne knew the um, coordinator on on the agency, so it was a sort of okay. a personal recommendation. Yeah. Again, I sort of I realised the other day that all of my jobs had been sort of a knock on effect of recommendations yeah. and, and knowing who people are from like the very first time I went for coffee with my mate who worked at NBC. Yeah, through to I think he was only. Fairly years only when I joined the BBC, I think that that was 
actually just me applying for a job. <laughs> well, how often does it happen that there's actually like an open yeah. process application? It's not only how it works. So, yeah. So you sort of, obviously on one hand, that, that can be quite off-putting, I guess, people kind of considering it. But I suppose... If there is a kind of a plus side to that, clearly it's reputational, isn't it? Hopefully, it's kind yeah. of, you know, no, I think people don't make recommendations lightly because yeah. they know it sort of comes back on them in some yeah. way. And so for someone to put you forward, you know, that, that's a big, big thumbs up and stamp of approval. Hopefully, yeah. That, yeah. Because if you recommend someone that's terrible, you're yeah. going to get a bad name yourself. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And, was there anything about working in comedy that you were surprised by? Um, I think I because the uh, uh, Happy Tramps run by Neil Webster and Ben Palmer. So Neil's brilliant writer and producer, and Ben is um, amazing comedy director. He's done sort of did in between us. He did uh, back the Mitchell Webster oh, yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, he um, and I remember sort of watching him as a director working realizing that everything was like quite forensically planned and he knew what shots he needed and all of it and it sounds I mean it sounds so ridiculous to say but but to think like oh actually it's not just a group of mates winging it yeah like, we're all funny let's put the camera on right what could possibly go wrong just to suddenly go oh god no you do need to be able to sort of coordinate this entire shooting through and cast yeah. and script and bring everything into, like, you know, making the jokes. Yeah. And I think that was a bit of an eye-opener, being like, oh, God, it is, like, it's hard work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was, I guess, a bit of an eye-opener for me. Um, and then, you know, you work with other directors that, that don't plan it out and sometimes yeah. it works brilliantly and sometimes it doesn't. So... I don't know, different ways of doing it. I think Ben is sort of a bit of a, a rare case in how brilliantly planned and how much of a grasp he has over everything, yeah. everything storyboarded, everything, like, you know, worked out. And of all the TV programmes you've worked on, what would you say you're kind of most proud of slash have the kind of most sort of fun experience on? Um, I saw you look back with racing to glasses, don't you? Because... Um, <laughs> I did a, a show for Happy Trump. We did an Urban Myth. Okay. Um, for oh, for Scar. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Where it's like famous people's stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like based in fact. Yes. And this was the first thing I coordinated. And it was sort of a bit of a, it was a step up. Um, but within a company I knew. And it was um, a sort of one week shoot in Pinewood which we couldn't afford like everything <laughs> was a bit of a challenge. Um, and it was a story of um, Muhammad Ali apparently oh, talked yeah. someone out of... Yeah, I've seen, I've seen that one. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, you did that in a week. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite yeah. epic. I mean, I know when Stop Breaking Down was only a handful of sort of settings and things, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was a real, yeah, like a small cast, small crew desperately trying to like with an eye on the budget at all times yeah. and because it was my first sort of thing stepping up to coordinate I was you know working really hard and really invested in it um and we were sort of shooting Pinewood which is about a two hour drive from where I live so I ended up without I sort of took it upon myself to get a 
uh, travel lodge down the road. Yeah. Um, when the lime juice found out, she was furious that I'd sort of spent my own yeah. money. Um, and we, uh, yeah, sort of worked really long hours, really hard, really everyone really pulling together to make something. I think I, I'm still really proud of it when I see it. I think it's like brilliant um, comedy drama. Yeah. Um, some great performances and it looks, as you say, it looks, it's, it looks yeah. filmic. It's, it's, it really does. It's a, it's a great example, actually, I think, of like what that sort of strand is. Yeah. I think if you're sort of giving people a sense of like what they're looking for, yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I feel like that, I think, is one of the first ones that I saw. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's, there's, there's quite a lot of stuff like in there, like a car park. It was in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but sort of, there's it's sort of print there, yeah, 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 yeah. And that was all on the filmed on the stage in Pinewood and that, that sort of because Pinewood is so like there's so much like legislation and like yeah. you can't do this and you can't and we were sort of really you know we didn't have money for a, a unit manager yeah. or anything but right. we still had like um, catering so it was that thing of like me <laughs> trying to work out what water <laughs> supply the caterers need yeah. normally they turn up and plug in it's all yeah. all of this stuff I just had no idea about anyway that we yeah. were sort of you know muddling out and me properly trying to like when you sort of are trying to fix a car and pretend you know what you're doing but <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm doing the things if you're watching this it looks like I'm doing it exactly like, <laughs> no problem yeah. We need, yeah, yeah we need like a water thing what they call yeah. Yeah. Um, and sort of you know rubbish in the wrong place so me yeah. and the production secretary like lugging around these sort of horrible bin liners at 11 o'clock at night in Pinewood like you know yeah. no one else will do it and we'll get fined if you leave them lying around in the wrong place and so it was a real everyone mucking in um but I think yeah the, it's great to work on something work really hard on something yeah. and sit back and go oh it's amazing everyone's done an amazing job yeah Obviously, you know, you're still working across TV projects, but increasingly you're sort of working in audio. And it's interesting how, I think, radio's always felt very separate from TV, but there's something about podcasts and how they operate that feels so much more compatible with television. Mm. It feels like a much more sort of fertile ground, I guess, for how ideas might be developed and sort of yeah. piloted. But sort of, I guess, kind of being a bit of a leader in the field, like what are your feelings about you know, it is an explosion, it's a boom. But what are some things you've worked on that you think are kind of interesting and where do you, where do you think it's all going? I think, yeah, so recently, or, you know, comparatively recently, like big companies have been sort of setting up podcast divisions. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because there's no... It sort of makes perfect sense because if you're going to pilot something on TV, you need hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah. If you're going to pilot podcast you need to pay people for their time but beyond yeah. that like everything you can buy everything you need to make a podcast for less than 100 quid yes. so I this think podcast being very much case in point but, uh, <laughs> yeah. on that end of it. but okay. I mean you can do everything in the studio you can pay studio managers 50 quid an hour to you know yeah make everything sound brilliant or you can just you know do it yourself and, and get it on its feet. And I think that is a real, um, really exciting for sort of the industry as a whole. The idea that you can say, right, I don't know, there are so many, there's um, a podcast called 
Deirdre and Jerrica. Oh, yeah, the um, Julia Davis and uh, Vicky, 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 Vicky. Vicky. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, I think, like, if, if they'd pitched that as a treatment, I don't know, it's Julia, do you know what I mean? People, yeah. Someone might have gone for it, but I think the idea they'd be like, well, what, what, where does it lead? What's the story? Yeah. Who's, you know, they'd have so much sort of interference from the top of being like, oh, what's the setting? You know, yeah. All, like notes, 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 but for them to just be able to be like, we're going to do it, yeah, put it out there, and you know, lo and behold, it works. It's really funny, and they can work it out as they go. Yeah, I think that's a really exciting, exciting thing. Yeah, um, and I think it just means that you know, it's sort of, it's a really, it, it feels like really democratizing. So you know, you can artists can take back production they're not waiting for someone to give them a green light yeah. or something necessarily they can do what they want and there's no sort of fake level of success so yes. it's either something everyone listens to it and it blows up yeah or it doesn't yeah and i think that's surely that's the point surely that's yeah. what we should be looking at in, in terms of what we commission like something if that people can muck about and produce something like the my dad wrote porno yeah guys you know i'm sure they had no idea it would blow up into this enormous thing but because it's good because it's funny because their relationship because it, it just all works then you know deservedly they have yeah, you can never put any of that stuff on a treatment exactly you know like because you're right it's about the relationships it's about the absurdity it's yeah, yeah and and fundamentally being sort of unscripted in some ways as yeah. well so yeah, you sort of it's less it's now more a game of who can actually do it, who can put the money where their mouth is rather than who can write the best treatment and and sell it to someone. Yeah. Um yeah. Great. And what what are you watching at the moment? What's your sort of your T V diet? Um or even you know, all podcasts, right? There as well. Are any, yeah. Are there you think aren't getting enough love that people listen to? Particularly things you've worked on. Um well, I've I've been having a bit of a because I'm sort of normally very... I worked at BBC for two, three years, and I've always been quite sort of brand loyal in terms of like, oh, yeah. if it's BBC comedy, I think we should know what it is, or BBC drama, and same with, yeah. you know, the, the the five main channels. I still have that thing of like, oh, if it's on TV. Yes, um, so I feel that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've, I just haven't done this for ages since Breaking Bad, I think, that we were watching... Um, uh, unbelievable on Netflix. Yeah, I've not seen it yet, but it's yeah, it's yeah. actually been recommended to me by someone else who was on once to watch. Ah. I've seen it, Lisa. It's, it's amazing, and we sort of started watching it. It's um, Tony Keller. Yeah, yes, which yeah. is great. Always, always a good time. Yeah, it's sort of I think seven or eight episodes, and we'd seen a bit of it. And it was good. And we came back and watched another couple of episodes, and then you know when you just can't not watch next one. Yeah. And it's like one in the morning and you need to be up really early tomorrow. Yeah. But you can't, you sort of look at it like, when else are we going to watch it? So like, I haven't done that for ages when you sort of go to bed at three in the morning because you've just had to finish a series. Yeah. Um, so that was great. It's very much feeding into that Netflix thing where they say their only competition is sleep in a very yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of ticking away being like, you're going to play next episode <laughs> unless you do anything about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was my that's why I'm currently tired um, yeah. and there's another the, um, Tim Robinson um, 
Oh, you should leave with Tim Robbins. Yeah. I think you should leave. That's it. Yeah, I loved that. It's great. And it's, again, that sort of thing where you think, like, well, I don't know who would have made this in yeah. this country. I don't and know such, who. like, interesting episode lengths as well. Yeah. Which means I ended up watching kind of all that in one go. You can, yeah. Because they were, like, what, 16, 17 minute episodes? Yeah. So they're yeah. not even, like, American broadcast half hours. They're very short. Yeah. And because they're sketches, it's like, well, there's no reason to stop. Have you seen Detroiters? No. I highly recommend that. So okay. that was the sitcom they had just before with um, Sam Richardson, who okay. you all know from Beat, yeah. whose character's name I forget, but they're two ad men in Detroit. They've inherited their dad's firm, yeah, yeah. but it's got that. It's very... I feel there's not enough like silly, daft stuff, and it is yeah. that, and it is kind of... You get the kind of laughs you get from... Um, I think you should leave. It's re- it's really good. Unfortunately, it got cancelled after two seasons, but right. there were two amazing seasons out there, which I would highly recommend. It's that sort of silly, like, have you seen Staff Let's Rat? Yes. Yeah. Again, it's just like, um, there's so much of that that you couldn't put on a treatment. Yeah. That, you know, that character is so sort of, I think, in in the minds of, of, of Jack yeah. Demetra and the, the guys, it's sort of, yeah hard to explain why that will work yeah as soon as you see it you know almost, oh, yeah. you almost want the human to be right you know ask me how staff would react to this yeah and i bet you they've got it whatever yeah. the thing is like and i think that that fully kind of lived in character that you kind of can't really describe but yeah you, yeah but you, but can, you, yeah. you recognize right? yeah there's definitely kind of that there and what are the programs that you feel that everyone else has seen that you haven't you know you sort of blind spot yeah. That you sort of know you probably will see one day, or you should see, or maybe things you haven't seen. Like I'm never watching it, and this is why. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this. I was trying to work out what what my blind, and I've got a few that are sort of quite embarrassing for someone who works in comedy. And one of those, yeah. you know, when so I've never seen Seinfeld. Okay, and that's yeah really bad for someone working in comedy. I think it's sort of <sighs> until recently, given your age. Like sort of inaccessible. Like I'm, mm. I'm old enough to have watched it on BBC Two, but even then it was on uh, eleven o'clock or midnight. Yeah, um, uh, paired with like the Daniel Sanders show. But I think if you didn't see it then, and it was semi recently been ava- made available on Amazon Prime, mm. like why would you make the commitment to buy a DVD box set or something you've never seen? Like nine, essentially, nine series. Yeah, it is as well. Where you have, just... had you seen any? Have you seen any? Like clips yeah I think I've ever seen a full episode and it's that thing of I think you know at the time when it was passing by I was like oh well yeah and then the amount it comes up everyone's saying because it's yeah very good by all accounts it like. is, I mean it is I don't yeah certainly don't need one white man harshly recommending Seinfeld to another one <laughs> on a podcast but it is good but it's, it's interesting that it's still referred to like a lot in comedy yeah Debatably, that might not be a good thing, as good as it is. I think when you're sort of trying to develop something and you're working out a character, it comes up as a point of reference quite a lot. That's people it. saying like, "Oh, it likes so and so in Seinfeld." I don't know if that's good. No, I'm as my, really... and I, like because it, it's brilliant, but it, it's not. It would feel, I mean, maybe not that irrelevant because I think it turns out that hey, your new friends is like the yeah. thing that will last forever. But it does feel a bit reductive to. And maybe have your touch point to be 20 years old. Yeah. In some way. Yeah. Like, you know, we were sort of talking off mic earlier about like, what what do young audiences want necessarily? Yeah. They might not want 
a Kramer analog in what they're watching. I don't know. Yeah. So do you think you ever you ever will? I mean, have you seen like her your enthusiasm? Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's sort of a lot of my um, like growing up references and sort of when I was a teenager and when I'm getting into comedy, it's all on the whole British. Yeah. Because that was what I think we didn't have. We had, you know, Channel One's Five. We didn't have Sky or anything. Yeah. When, um, back in the days of sort of dial-up internet, you know, you wouldn't watch anything on the internet. You wouldn't, you know. Um, so I think a lot of my references are very sort of British. And I yeah. got very, you know, when uh, I went to uni, rather than expanding my repertoire, sort of really double dive deep yeah. into your peep shows and your... Uh, the office and partridge and that sort of thing. So yeah. you can know, uh maybe I should have a wider knowledge rather than an encyclopedic knowledge of, of certain I things. think it's I think it's good to have a UK knowledge of favourite reference because I think that is going away mm. slightly. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of you sort of mentioned three shows there, Peep Show and uh, and, and Partridge and, and things like that. And it's like, well where 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 are the next kind of like sort of big hits and I think you know had some fantastic stuff recently obviously like sort of like Derry Girls which I actually yeah. capture the imagination and kind of come talking points but mm. I see now I'm saying this out loud I'm probably missing something really obvious but it's like where are the sort of talking point comedies outside Derry Girls is coming in I can think of now I've said that I feel terrible because I'm wrong no I think well it's interesting because there's such a wider Choice, isn't there? There's yeah. Such, and I think. I mean, obviously, feedback Jesus, but you know what I mean. But yeah. I think feedback is a, is, a, is a specific, different case. And in even a way, then that's two series, and yeah, there won't be any more. You know, like and on my parents haven't seen it, which I think is kind of. Whereas I think, yeah, yeah, and I think things are. I don't know how long staff will run for. They've done two series. I don't yeah. know at what point. Um, you know, they all get too busy, or. Yeah. Jamie Dimitri wants to do something else. Like it's what I always think about staff is like I, I wonder. I don't know what with Channel Four. It's like if that had been on BBC Two, mm. you could sort of see a, a world in which that might go to BBC One in time. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's got that yeah. potential appeal. But yeah, I wonder whether. Yeah, I don't know. I'm mm. just thinking out loud. Again, it's a sort of yeah, something like Friday Night Dinner, which is. I think they're just making the six series now. I think. Yeah, kind of a long break. Yeah, yeah. But those shows that sort of keep coming back. Yeah. Unless they're, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Stuff sort of almost feels like it's two, three series and an hour onto the next thing. Yeah. And you know, if someone like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, if the next thing is Killing Eve, then you know, yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah, that's quite like about the UK. Like, nothing's ever really cancelled or gone away. Mm. It's because everything is typically authored. Yeah. It's like, well, when you know a gap comes in their sort of timetable, they'll maybe come back with another one. Yeah, and not, not, not very few things are successful feel like they're gone for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly with you know your still open all hours and stuff coming back. And God, yeah. I mean, that's the issue. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what, what are you looking forward to? What what's coming out that you you've sort of excited about? Oh. Um, God, I don't know. It's all, um, I guess it's always quite exciting to see something like Friday Night Dinner um, yeah. coming because that's a I love that. It's sort of um, 
I'm sure I'm not the only uh, sibling in the country that thinks like that is my relationship with my brother. I'm sure everyone (laughs) thinks the same. Um, So to see like a show like that, I think they were they rehearsing or something, and someone put something on on Twitter today, being like you know rehearsals, and you suddenly go, oh great, brilliant, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, What else is coming back? Something on like very soon. I was thinking today. Can't remember. There's there's some good stuff. Some good stuff. <laughs> well, you've got some good stuff coming. Like if people want to check out your work or follow you or see where you're at on, yeah. on social media, like what what have you got coming out soon? Um, so I'm working at the moment on a podcast uh, that I made uh, eight episodes of earlier this year uh, with a comedian called Jacob Pauly, and it's um, for BBC Sounds. It's called Jacob Pauly on Drugs, and he's a comedian and a sort of recreational drug user and the idea is that he you know to take someone who makes jokes about drugs and takes drugs on the weekend to actually for him to learn a bit about the scene so that was great like I've never made anything factual before that was brilliant to sort of do a a very non-patronizing documentary is what we're hoping to make so sort of yeah actually reflecting the scene from people on the ground rather than this sort of big lofty BBC yeah. camera. Like here I am, I've come to visit your world. With a, a drug dealer wearing a balaclava. Like, yes. You know, that sort of, yeah. that sort of <laughs> stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's keeping me busy at the moment. Um, and then lots of hopefully tentative things, that sort of fun development world where you have six meetings about something and never know if it's ever going to be made or, or just forever exists. Well, I'm, sure, imagination. I'm sure they will. We'll, we'll, we'll watch this space. Yeah. Thank you so That's much, Nick, for you joining us today. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Get With The Programme. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website, www.thetvfestival.com, or you can find out more about the network or want to watch on our Twitter and Instagram pages at the network underscore tv or at wants to watch underscore tv we'll have more episodes coming very soon but in the meantime there's plenty in our archive for you to listen to thank you again and we'll see you soon bye